hope everybody's happy to be here today. And we're in God's house. I'm to help. Yes, let's clap. Praise God, we're here. Yes. Praise the Lord. We're in God's house. And I hope that, uh, that you know, that's what I told Dan the other day. I said, you know, I just want people to be excited about church. I want people to be excited about God. I want you to be on fire for the Lord. I, you know, and uh, I want you to look forward to Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I want you to look forward to these things so that we can join together, you know, because uh, two more get together. God is there. We get to be with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to learn. We get to grow. Man, this is exciting that we get to come together as believers. And uh, don't ever take for granted the freedom we have to be able to come in and worship. You know, there's so many people out there who would love to strip this freedom away. You know, just think, the, the very things that are in God's Word are in today's society considered hate speech. Is that not unbelievable? And they want to silence this. You know, I told me and Brace talking uh, yesterday, I said, it, it amazes me at what, you're talking about the wussification of America, our country. To where the point where uh, even in Oxford, England, and I, I, it's happening here because I saw the video where they at the college, I can't remember where it was at, they don't want people to clap because it might be unsettling for other people. So they want them to do jazz hands. <laughs> if I go in an auditorium and, and when I'm at a concert and they're all going, I'm going around and I'm leaving, all right? Because I, I, I just, that's it's insanity. Where have we, where have we skewed off the course of the map here? I mean, it's just unbelievable. As I was talking about Wednesday night a little bit, I said you have, of course, I mean, I know it's a hyper masculine version of what a man should be. You see the, the John Wayne tops, but you know, at least they show masculinity. But you watch a show or a TV, you know, a movie, and men are such. They, they portray them as such weenies, you know, and it's just ah, it's it's just nauseating at our society. But it it is only an example, a reflection of how far the society has come away from the things of God. The roles of men are no longer as God intended, and no longer are the roles of women. And it's just the further you get away from God's word. And art reflects where society is at, and you just see that we're just we're heading down an evil and demonic path of just unrighteousness away from God, and that's something we need to really be praying about for our country, because uh, you know God's word don't say anything about America, you know, and uh, we we may not even be a blip on the map when it comes to time the Lord comes back. Who knows? I mean, I hope the Lord comes back soon. I really do. I pray all the time, Lord, please just come back. You know, I just want to just, wouldn't that just be awesome to be sitting here and then all of a sudden, man, we're gone. That'd be awesome. I hate it for Richard, though. He'd be here by himself. Uh, I'm teasing Richard. I'm teasing. I love you, Richard. You know that, don't you? Love you like a hog loves sloth. Turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. But man, that would be awesome. Oh, Lord, come back. That would be just in the presence of God immediately. That would be killer. It very well may happen. You never know. You never know the hour which he may appear. Be like a thief in the night. So you better make sure your oil lamps are full and you are at the door ready and waiting for the master. Or you will be in deep regret. St. Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let us have a word of prayer. Therefore, Lord, again, we just come before you and thank you. We love you. We praise you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for so much. Lord, it's, uh, I talk to people daily who deal with so much anxiety and worry. And Lord, we just know we have to turn our Lord to you. Your word tells us to be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But prepare a supplication that your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, regard our hearts and minds. Let us trust in you. Let us give all of our worries and troubles to you and know that you're in control of all things. Fill this sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us, direct us in your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, I just uh, praise God daily uh, for his mercy and his grace. It's so easy, uh, you know, uh, I don't know about some of y'all, but it's just, uh, you know, you mess up so much sometimes. You're thinking, man. God, how do you keep forgiving me? How do you keep loving me? How do you, you know, you just sometimes you wonder, you know, how, you know, I mess up so many times. Certainly there's a limit somewhere, you know, but, you know, God, it's odd infinitum. You know, there, there's no amount of, uh, that you can reach that God's going to give up on you. He's always there. He's going to hold you in his mighty righteous right hand. Nothing can pull you away from that. And you are forgiven and you are loved. And he knows that you're going to mess up for you and do it. And he loves you despite that. And that is awesome that God loves us. As imperfect as we are, He loves us. And that, you know, there's so it's so easy to get down. But then when you think about God's grace and His mercy, man, it just lifts you right back up. You think, you know what? Praise you, Lord. You know, we can't let the, uh, the things of the past dictate the present or our future uh, uh, troubles, things we go through. Because what we've done in the past will only help us to grow and learn and do better today and tomorrow. And we just didn't learn from those things. But to, in our teaching this morning, you know, uh, of course, y'all know I do my podcast, uh, The Document Chronicles on Apple Podcast, and uh, each week I do an interview uh, with somebody, and I try to approach it from a uh, biblical perspective, and uh, uh, this month is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, the young lady I spoke with yesterday, she had had a uh, double mastectomy, and uh, she's only 28 years old, and she, apparently her, her, she has a gene uh, that her family has, uh, passes through. Her mother has had breast cancer twice. Her, didn't she say her grandmother and her sister too, Brandy? Her aunt, that's what it was, her aunt and her grandmother all had breast cancer. And her aunt that was only 28 years old, she only died within a few years when it, I, I learned she had it. And so kind of find out there was this gene, this marker that uh, they found uh, that it was, it, was, it was causing this within their family. And uh, so she was sharing her story yesterday about that. And, you know, and I was telling her, it seems like every time I get up here and um, uh, discuss or have prayer requests, it's always one, two, three, four, five, at least that, of uh, people asking for prayer for somebody who's got cancer or they may have been diagnosed. I mean, you see that all the time on here. And it's, it's a horrible thing. I hate hearing that. My best friend Lance, he died of cancer. My, Papa Leo died of cancer, and it just, you know, I hate that word of the passion. And I was talking to her about Doug, how the Lord miraculously healed you. You know, they, they pretty much gave up on you, and, and they healed you. Lord healed you, uh, I mean, dramatically and miraculously. I mean, that's just incredible. And, uh, you know, she, one thing she was talking about, she says a lot of people want to know what to do to help. She said something that really helped her was uh, people bringing uh, food and gift cards and or someone volunteering to clean their home. So if you know somebody that has cancer, 
uh, that's you know there's ways we can give back and help uh, is uh, is to take things and help them with their family and their children you know and give back and help out with them in some shape form or fashion. But um, in talking about cancer, it was, you know it was interesting with me talking with her yesterday. It kind of went hand in hand with what I was talking about today because it's very interesting the similarities between cancer and sin. If you really if you take a hard look at it. And uh, there was an individual, I got a slide with his face on, his name is Jim Monroe. I don't know if you got that big slide or not. Yeah, there he is. He is uh, a magician, a Christian magician. I'll have to see, about it, see if we can bring him out. I don't know what he would cost to do. But anyway, uh, he said, you know, he's a charlatan by trade and he's skeptical. Uh, and that's, that's, what he, that's what he does. And, you know, he, he asked God, he said, will you pull back the curtain? Let me see behind the curtain. Let me see your truth, your reality. And uh, he ended up getting diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he said that, uh, uh, you know, what he had, they told him, could not be cured. They said, but, they said, uh, through a bone marrow transplant, there's a possibility of, uh, of coming, overcoming that and being healed through that way. Now, I'm not, you know, obviously a medical physician, so I have all the ins and outs and all that works. But anyway, you know, uh, the, the, the cancer makes replica of itself, and so they have to radiate that. They have to uh, uh, go through chemotherapy. Well, before he could have all this done for the bone marrow, they pretty much had to uh, wipe his whole body out. And said it was almost like a slow death. And he said it was very painful and it was horrible. And they said that uh, when he got the, the bag of blood from his donor, uh, that uh, uh, and had that bone marrow transplant, they said it was like uh, he was being born again, made anew, uh, because no longer now, when they check his blood, uh, do they see him. They see the 19-year-old female who donated her bone marrow and her blood. They see XX in the chromosome. They don't see him. They see her that has been replaced with her blood. And said that they would celebrate that as his birthday because they said it'd be, he'll be like a, he, was, he was like a baby in the womb and that all everything was just made new and different. And when I was listening to him talk about that, I thought, you know, and he may represent too how Jesus Christ, when he comes and saves us, we are made anew. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. We're no longer the same person. We're no longer that old person who thinks the way we used to think, who took pleasure in the things we used to take pleasure in. Those things we used to like, those things we used to love, we now hate. But now we have a new life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus because of that wonder-working power of the blood. That's why I wanted to play that song during our uh, offertory. Is because that we're talking about the precious blood of the Lamb. We're talking about Jesus Christ's blood that saved us. A wretch like us. Sinful people. You know, when you look at the similarities of cancer, how it eats and destroys that individual. Look at how sin eats and destroys individuals without God. You know, without God... Uh, it, it affects those around us. It affects our, our attitude and how we relate to other people and to the world. It, uh, it, it, without Jesus Christ, you are doomed to death and, and damnation. But with Jesus Christ, it radiates the, that sin. It destroys that sin. See, that's what, just like how, how chemotherapy destroys that sin. And so, uh, destroys that sin. it destroys that cancer. And, uh, and so that's what Jesus Christ does. He eradicates that. Yes, we are, are still sin-filled people on this side of heaven, obviously. Uh, but our desire to want to do those things of the world uh, are eliminated, or hope it is. You know, there's not a lot of people who give lip service 
but don't truly demonstrate or reflect the things of Jesus Christ. I wonder about some of those individuals. But if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then that just like how those cancer cells are eradicated and killed and they slowly die over weeks, over months, over time, we see how when Jesus Christ changes our lives, makes us anew, makes us a new creature in Christ Jesus, we see those sin-filled desires slowly start dying away. And over the course of our lives, we see that our desires and our wants and things change over uh, our lifetimes. You know, I put a thing on uh, Facebook yesterday. You know, we, we, we talk about sanctification. We, take, we talk about how God changes our thoughts and our attitudes. And um, I was putting some verses on there um, uh, from Titus. Of course, he was specifically talking about elder or bishop. And, um, and one from uh, uh, Proverbs. And it's talking about controlling your temper, controlling your attitude. And that uh, by doing so, you know, it's far greater than ruling a kingdom. And it, these, these verses uh, pierced uh, my heart. Uh, you know, that's one thing when we read in God's Word, that uh, God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I think because that's what we need, that's why we have to talk about sin so that we understand our need for salvation. In fact, the study, uh, the, the actual word for uh, the study of sin is, is harmer theology. And, um, uh, and so we have to understand how horrible and terrible sin is so that we can understand the conviction that we need, that we're in need of a Savior, that we're in need of saving. And a result of that, we want to change. And when I, was, when I put those verses on there, is because the Lord really convicted me. Uh, so much arrogance, uh, so much, uh, uh, I'm easy to hold grudges. I'm easy to, uh, to cut somebody off if someone's done me wrong, you know, and, and uh, just have nothing more to do with them anymore. Uh, I spoke harshly to people. And so I just put a thing in there and said, listen, if I've offended you in any way, if I've offended anybody, I apologize. You know, the Lord has, has, has touched me in a dramatic way that I don't want, I don't have any hard feelings towards anybody. And, and I ask for forgiveness if I've hurt anybody in return that uh, because God's word pierces the heart, pierces the soul. It should do that for spiritual growth so that we can draw closer to God. And, and uh, I even met with an individual earlier this week that I had hard feelings for. And I said, listen, we need to meet. We need to talk. And I want to apologize about some things. And, and, uh, and he was like, well, you know, I need to apologize too about some things. And it was a great meeting. Uh, but uh, that's just it. It, it, it. You see how God, when He makes us a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus, you know, uh, God creates something from nothing. And uh, we see that even the creation of our universe, uh, the, the uh, what's it called, uh, the ex nihilo, the uh, uh, something, you know, which means something from nothing. That God, you know, it's nothing we've done on our own. He made us a new creature in Christ Jesus. We couldn't do it. We, we couldn't have the ability to change. And that's why I love, you know, that relationship with God. We need to remember that it's a relationship. It, it is not a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He walks with me. He talks with me. That's what I, you know. That's why I know why I wanted to play that that song this morning because for me it is literal walking and talking with Jesus Christ, and it's that growth. That's what I pray for every day. Lord, help me to to have a more intimate relationship with you because I want to change. I hope that you want to change. That you want more for your life. That you're not happy with where you're at spiritually. You should never be happy. You should never be happy with where you're at spiritually. You should want more daily and continual growth in Christ Jesus. Because you are a new creature. That old you, that old you has been nailed to the cross. That past no longer is held over your head. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. That we are a new creature. And so Jesus, that is that changing. 
transforming power of, of Christ. Uh, in fact, let me look over here. I think it was uh, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, yes, John one thirteen says, "Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." All right, you get that again. We're talking about God who has changed us. No, which were born not of blood. Not of the will of the flesh. You know, that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Was the fact that, uh, you know, he, he, for so long he tried to, to keep the law. And he thought if he kept the law, then, then he was doing right. That was going to get him entrance into heaven. But, uh, you know, it was, it was God's transforming power that made him realize that that, uh, that wasn't going to do it. It's only accepting him as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior was going to change him. And I think that's a lot of people. Uh, that They put a lot of extra rules and regulations on themselves because they think that's what's going to gain them entrance into heaven. If I do this, if I do that, if I act this way, if, uh, if I cut my hair, you know, people, uh, you know, I, I hope you understand where I'm trying to let my hair grow out. You can tell that, can't you? No. But, uh, no, I, I look like a bad experience with my hair shaped like it is. But anyway, you know, uh, some people think if you have short hair, that's going to help you. If a woman wears dresses, that's stupid. That's not going to matter. It's in here. God looks on the heart. He don't look on that what appearance as man does. He looks on the heart. All right? And so that is the only thing that's going to get us into heaven is knowing Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. And, you know, in fact, I just want you to look at, let me see if I can find it here. Um, uh, there's a verse I want you to look at, but uh, I don't know, I keep finding right here off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, there's none righteous, no not one. There's nobody that's perfect. The wages of sin is death. God tells us this. But you see, just as cancer affects the cells of our body, uh, and it can, uh, you can see it physically uh, in, in someone who, who is fighting that and battling that, but you see how sin acts like that cancer and, 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 it, and it, it, it seeps in and, uh, and slowly takes over. And we can look at that in, in 2 Samuel 12 when we're talking about King David. You know, here he was a man after, after God's own heart. And, uh, and you may say, well, I, yeah, I know the story. But, I mean, you know, that's, that's why I keep, there's a lot of verses I've been going over here lately because I feel like there's so many verses that people just read like, yeah, I know it and go on. But we need to really truly understand its meaning and, and how it can be applied to our lives because King David, a man after his own heart, after God's own heart, here, you know, they're out to battle. He's getting older, and he's walking around the rooftop there, and he looks down, and he sees this beautiful woman bathing. Well, you know, I, I'm sure that at first he's like, oh, I better not look at that. That probably ain't right. And, of course, Satan, he knows how to whisper in the ear, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, one little look ain't going to hurt nothing. Ain't nobody around. So he's probably, hey, you know, I am the king. And he starts staring a little longer than he should. And they say, you know, see, that, that's that sin that uh, the devil wants to plant in your head. Oh, it's okay. Just do it this one time. Nobody's going to know. It's no big deal. And then you ponder on that sin. You start to give in to that sin. See, that sin takes root. starts to take over. Just like those cancer cells want to take over those good cells. And it replicates itself. It keeps replicating itself. And that sin, it replicates itself. And it keeps replicating itself. And next thing you know, David has slept with her. And, and then she's pregnant. He's like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Now he's really caught. He's with another man's wife. She's pregnant. And so he makes it worse. He brings him in and, and tries to get him to, uh, to go to bed with her so she could, he could think that's his baby. Then this guy was a good guy. And he's like, no, my, my troops are out here. It'd be wrong for me to go with my wife. I'm going to lay out here. So that didn't work. So David makes it even more worse. So see, see how the sin is growing? You see how, you know, how cancer cells grow and these tumors get bigger? Well, here this huge tumor of sin is getting even bigger. And so, so David does even the worst. And he sends 
sends him out to the front lines and he tells his commander, say, hey, when he gets, here this guy was a brave man and he, he's at the front lines and, and, he, and David tells his commander, say, when he gets burned to the front, you pull back. And it's kind of almost like a Braveheart deal, you know, if you, I'm sure y'all, how many of y'all have seen Braveheart? Most people. Anyway, you know, he's, he, he, he thought he had, you know, Braveheart, he thought he had everybody's uh, help, you know, they all said he's going to help him. He's waving the flag to help, and they just look at him and ride off, and buddy, they're getting slaughtered. Well, that's pretty much what happened. They backed off, and boom, Bathsheba's husband's murdered. Well, here the prophet comes, and he says, you know, he makes David realize what he's done. And so, even though God still showed mercy on him, he didn't take David's life, but he did take that child that uh, was made out of uh, adultery. His own son turned against him, tried to kill him. His other son raped his daughter, and then, his, and then Absalom wanted to kill him and did. And, you know, so we see, you know, that even God said that the sword would never leave his own. There was, there was, there was uh, severe repercussions to what David had done. And so we see that's how sin does. You know, there's, there's repercussions. There are things as, that will happen as a result of our sin, but God's mercy is still there. God still loved David, even though he messed up in a huge way. And David, you know, you look in the Psalms, and uh, I, I want to say, is it Psalm 50? I think I, I don't know. I thought I had it here. Uh, I want to say it's Psalm 51. Thank you. Hold on here. Let me look here real quick where he's talking about. Hold on. Let me get over here real quick and see. I think it's Psalm 51. Hold on here. You see, if you want to go ahead and be turning there too, you can. Psalm 51, I think. I'm going to pause it. Psalm 51, 4, I want to say. Uh, and well, that, that's not the one I'm looking for. Oh, it's seven. It's seven. But let's read four too. Because against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. But verse seven, it says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So we see here where uh, God's word talks about, you know, when he's talking about being washed in the blood. Sometimes God will. Uh, and he, he, there's even in um, uh, was it Isaiah? Yeah, no, this one I did have. It's Isaiah. Um, oh, what's the name of days? Isaiah um, one sixteen. That's what I was like. One sixteen says, "Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil." So we see talking about being washed by the blood of the Lamb, being washed. By God, uh, you know, obviously being baptized is not going to get you saved. You know, I'd say it's a, a physical representation uh, of the uh, washing away of sins and raising up in the newness of Christ, uh, a, a, a demonstration uh, of, a, of a physically showing of an inward change. But, you know, we're seeing here that God sometimes will, will use um, a, a, um, a, a physical aspect to bring about a spiritual truth. And so, and that's what David was saying, man. He's like, wash me, cleanse me. And that's what God's blood, I mean, that's what Jesus' blood does. He washes us, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. David knew he screwed up. David knew he messed up. And so it's so easy for us to uh, you know, think that God will give up on us. And that's just simply not the case, that he is not going to give up on us. And he's not going to, uh, that he does wash us and he does cleanse us. And, and you know, no matter how, you know, we may do some terrible things. You know, God does see all sin the same. But uh, and when it, in the end, he does. But there are variations of sin. But anyway, let's look at Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. Galatians two, verse twenty. 
just think of a turn there. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You know, we need to understand uh, what Christ done. That, su- uh, that substitutionary atonement of what Christ had done. That He did, you know, He willingly gave His life for us. He shed His blood for us. Judgment and payment was demanded by God. And we as sinners could never, ever, ever make up for what we were doing. You know, the, the priests at the time, they would, uh, they would sacrifice uh, the lamb and shedding of blood uh, to cover the sins of the people at that time. But it, it wasn't lasting. It was something that had to continually be done. And it can only take Jesus Christ to do that. Someone who was fully God and fully man. It couldn't just been anybody. It had to be Jesus Christ. That, that shedding of blood... Uh, to atone for our sins. And we need to understand the, 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 the purity of what is going on here and what Christ has done for us so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be sanctified, so that we, we were ransomed out for Jesus bought us. He paid for us. We were in debt, sin's debt, and He made that payment for us. And we need to understand uh, the, the importance of that. You know, we, we sing these songs, Are You Washed in the Blood? You know, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you just playing church? You know, there's so many people who come to church and they put on a facade and act one way, but they're another way at home. And I, I want to be the same person, uh, whether I'm at home by myself or out here in public. And uh, that's one thing we was talking about yesterday. Uh, this young lady was trying to invite her to church that I was speaking with. And... Uh, uh, and a lot of people have gotten turned off by church because of, uh, of maybe, maybe a way a pastor has treated them or shunned them or called them out publicly in front of people. And, you know, and when going to school, uh, there was um, kids who went to school with their parents or fathers were, were pastors. And man, you wouldn't believe some of the stories of how they get up here and act all pious and righteous and then they go home and kick their kid, drink and cuss and beat their wives. And I mean, just horrible things. But that's one thing I, I told her yesterday. I said, I've always had a lot of respect for my dad. That he was no different at home than he was up here. I mean, there was just, he was always the same. You know, and he could tell you off just as quick at home as he would here. And like and I've told you this before, tongue in cheek, just be glad. The only difference I saw there and here, he was up here in his underwear eating Cheetos. So, you know, be glad of that. So that's the, that's the only difference. <laughs> but, you know, but I, uh, uh, and that's one thing I've always tried to do, you know, is always try to be the same person. And when I do mess up, I admit my mess ups. And I tell my kids, don't act like your daddy. I messed up, man, and I, Lord forgive me. And I will stop right there. Sometimes if I can, I'll use it as a teaching moment to be like, hey, that was wrong. Let me tell you why that was wrong. Why daddy shouldn't have said this or done this or acted this way. And, and God wouldn't like this. So that they will understand that my love for Jesus Christ is true and genuine. And that I'm, I, I mess up too. But God forgives me and we have to keep trying, keep pushing forward. There's, you know, again, there's none righteous, no, not one. And it nothing sickens me more, whether it's a pastor or not, as those who try to act so uh, pious and righteous uh, and, and think they're so much better than everybody else. You know, I just, uh, uh, in fact, uh, I've got, uh, of course, I know he's messing with me, but um, there's a guy on there. And it's a kind of an example of attitude sometimes where I was trying to find a Daniel Boone t-shirt to wear this morning. If I'd known there been so many Science Hill people here, I would have definitely have wore something with Daniel Boone on it. But back off, says Jerry Kelly. Well, excuse me. But anyway, he said, uh, 
uh, the guy said, uh, like I said, I know he just messed with me, but there's people with this kind of attitude out there. He said, uh, and it wasn't Jerry, but he said that, uh, uh, well, instead of worrying about a Davy Boone t-shirt, he said, why don't you just worry about concentrating on preaching the gospel? That's what's important. You know, so even though he, I know he was just trying to aggravate me, there are those that are that kind of attitude that, you know, they, they take everything to the to another level. And you're thinking, you know, we're, we're all just trying to have fun. We're all, you know, not everything has to be so serious all the time. And yet it has to be so hyper-spiritual. But we do need to show reflection of Christ in all things, all situations. But I want you to look over here at Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Romans 3, 25. Give me a second to get there. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So, you know, we see this again. Talking about blood. That, that pure blood. That blood that only Jesus can cover with a multitude of sins. That's only Jesus Christ can do. Just as we were talking about with this magician earlier who had to have this, this new blood put in his, in his system. That when they now take his blood, they see the XX chromosome, they see another individual other than who he is. When us as Christians, when other people see us, they should see something beyond us. They should see Jesus Christ. They should see that new creature within you. They should see that, uh, that you've given your life and dedicated to Jesus Christ, that you're no longer that old person, that you're no longer that person that you once was, that you're something new, you're something different, and that you are in the midst of Jesus. Now, one, I'm running out of time, so I want you to look at John 17, 3, just real quick here. I'm running out of time. John 17, 3. John 17, verse 3. And it says, In this life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life. All right, we need to be looking for the eternal and not focusing on the temporal. See, that's how the old devil does. He wants to jump out magic tricks. The old devil wants to con you and, 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 and mess with you and make you focus on the temporal things of this world. We need to be focused on the, the truths of the eternal. Eternal life is real. It is true that they might know thee, the only true God. You know, I, I hate these coexist bumper stickers. There's not more than one God. There is only one true God, and that is the God of the Bible. All right? And so the only one true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So we see that Jesus Christ is real, that these are truths that we cling to. That we, you know, it, it is when we cling to the truth of God, when we cling to the truth of the gospel, we see things in a whole new light. We see what God can do for our lives. We see what God has done in others. But, uh, you know, again, we all need redemption. We all need saving. And it's sad that there's so many pastors out there, something I want to hit on tonight a little bit, is that there's no more, they don't want to preach the conviction of sin. And when there's no conviction of sin, then you don't need a Savior. But we're all in need of saving. We're all in need of redemption. And it's all through Jesus Christ who paid that ransom that does redeem us, that does sanctify us, that gives us justification by faith. Because that justification by faith means it is not by works of our own. It is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. You know, uh, in closing, you know, I, uh, I was reading a thing. Uh, I can't remember who the basketball player was, 
But he said he was talking about that um, in the. Um, I don't really watch much basketball. I like watching college football, but I'm not. Uh, but in the, the, I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. Somehow, if they forcibly if they forcibly lose, it's called tanking. Somehow that helps with uh, pushes up the drafting process. I'm not sure how that works. They, sometimes they, if a team loses a lot, they accuse them of tanking. But one thing he was talking about was that as Christians, sometimes it, it, it may it, you feel like tanking, you feel like giving up, because sometimes you take two steps forward and then it's like you get knocked three steps back. You know, I'm sure a lot of you may feel that way. I know I feel like that way a lot of times. Like, man, I, you know, you feel like you're trying to get closer to God, and then you get knocked back two or three steps, and it's easy to want to give up. But one thing that is, one thing he said was to trust the process. You know, if, you, if you're in, a, if it, he said, if, if they were playing basketball or whatever, and the coach said, hey, the game's already won, play like you, you know, because you're going to get the trophy no matter what, then gosh, you're going to turn and play, you know, pretty good. You think, man, I've already won. Well, that's just it. We we've already won. We need to trust God. We need to trust that process that God loves us. He forgives us. He has redeemed us. He has sanctified us. And we need to trust in that. And that when we mess up, there's not, we don't have to feel like, oh, I've got to do this, or I've got to do that to make it. It's not like it. Other religions are like that. You have to, to, to reach certain levels of enlightenment. You have to go through the, uh, the pillars of Islam. You have to do all these different things. But only through Jesus Christ is forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. And that's it. There's nothing else we have to do, but we should continually want change. And it's only through that sanctification, all right? And here's one thing he's talking about here through sanctification. It is a team effort that we should be able to build each other up. That should we come together and as stone sharp as stone, build each other up. Help each other along in that change process. Encourage one another. You know, when you look around and see somebody sitting that's not sitting here that she was here before, you, you start, you know, we need to encourage each other. Call say, hey, where have you been? What's going on? You know, we miss you at church. Encourage one another. I had a woman contact me yesterday. She said, please pray for me. She, she sent me a message, and, and I don't want to go into detail because of the, the nature of the message, but uh, she's going through a horrible, horrible time. And uh, all that I could tell her was, you know, give her some verses as encouragement to read those verses. To truly read those verses. See, that's what I, I tell you all. To read your Bibles. Digest it. Bring it in. As I was talking about Wednesday night. There's so many people who are emaciated, who are anorexic Christians because they do not take part of the bread of life. They're not reading their Bibles. They may skim through it. I've done my part. They go on, you know. But you need to totally digest God's Word. Take it in. Understand it. And trust in the process. Trust in its truths. That God is there. And He's going to bring you to completion. He's The victory is yours now and in the future. And trust in that. Believe in it. And give it to God. And that's what I was trying to do. Is using verses to encourage her. To help her. To, and to help her to understand. That's what I keep telling her over and over. Read those verses. Understand it. Ponder on it. Pray on it. Let God fill you and sustain you. Like I said at the very beginning, you know, there's so many people who deal with anxiety, deal with depression, deal with physical ailments, but it's only through Jesus Christ that gives us that strength to endure and to persevere. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Because that, you know, that's, when you listen to those words, uh, his, his name was uh, Elisha. Um, that wrote that song. Uh, I can't remember his last name now, but uh, he wrote over like 200 uh, 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 praise. In fact, he even has a, a, a songbook of praise songs. I want to say Cummings, Elisha Cummings. Is that right? I don't know. I have to look it up. Huh? 
Oh, but anyway, when you listen to that, when you listen to these praise songs, when you listen to God's Word, ask yourself for conviction. Ask yourself how I can change, how I can be better, how I can be drawn closer to God. That's what this is about. And we're all in this together. You're never alone in your walk. Always remember that. Sometimes when we screw up, we think we're the only one. Well, guess what? You're not. We all screw up. And believe it or not, preachers sin too. Do you know that, Doug? That preachers sin? Yeah. I, I, I didn't either. Brandon told me. All right. If you will stand, we'll have a word of prayer. And um, uh, after I get done praying, uh, we'll have a, a song being played. If you don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, please come up and talk to me. Or if you have any concerns, um, feel free to come forward as well. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for this opportunity to spread the gospel message. Lord, lead us, guide us, protect us. Lord, help us in our daily walk. Help us, Lord Jesus, of your, uh, the power of the blood. And Lord, and uh, understand uh, how it has cleansed us and washed away our sins. That is eradicated and uh, that sin-filled life we once lived. And Lord, if there's anyone this morning that doesn't know you, let him pray this prayer. Dear God. Forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Redemption means to be bought out. And uh, so just smile. Let the old devil remember. Let the devil be. Try to remind the devil who is in control. There we go. We'll get out here in a second. So, tongue tied. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, again, we come before you. Thank you. Love you. And praise you. Lord, thank you for another. 
a wonderful day. The Lord has prayed to be with each and every person here. To lead God, watch over, protect them, keep them safe till we meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a good day and a good week.